Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Every one of you in here is going to die, except people that may be caught up in the rapture. There is a generation of people that are Christians that will be caught up in the rapture. They will not die. Now, I don't know why this is. I, I really don't. I don't know why it is in my case. We, we are Christians. We know where we're going. We know what the Bible says. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And yet still we fear. In my case, I've been dead once. Clinically dead. And I'm still not looking forward to uh, doing that again. So, uh of course, in my case, you know, I didn't, I didn't get much of a testimony. You, you go to YouTube and uh, type in uh, near-death experiences, and man, you'll get all kinds of stuff. Uh, people will tell, and they're, they're true. You know, uh, overdosed on drugs, and God took me to heaven, and I saw Jesus, and I saw my granny, and all of that. Why is it that we are afraid to die? Particularly when we know that God has promised us an, another life that will be eternal, particularly if you're here this morning and you are a believer in Jesus. And, and keep that in mind. I, I'm still getting this uh, over and over in my office. Some of you and people that, that should know, I ask them in my office, if you, and I use the same story, if you die today, you, your spirit leaves your body, you go up to the gates of heaven, and it's locked, and there's an angel standing there, and he says, why should I let you in? What would you tell him? Now, yeah, it's, uh, it's not just, uh, what do you got there, brother? Hmm? Oh, okay. Are you okay? Okay. Um. The Bible teaches us that there is another realm or dimension. We know, and listen to me carefully, in, in this creation there are four dimensions that we know of for sure. Here's what a dimension is. Forward, backward. Right side, left side. That's two. Up, down. Those are three dimensions. Raise your hand if you know what the fourth one is. Anybody? Yes, sir. Time. Time is the fourth dimension. Keep in mind that time has nothing to do with God. Uh, we're, we're still, after all of these centuries, we're still trying to understand what time is all about. We, we know it has something to do with the, the passing of something and clocks. And, and in the early days, they would have a, what's called a sundial. And, and there's a sundial in this story. And as the sun passed over, it would cast a shadow on this dial. The dial was put on top of a, of a round plate, and the shadow would move as the sun moved. And that's 
one of the ways in the early times that they were able to, to tell the passage of time. Now we're beginning to understand that there are far more dimensions than we thought. And one of those may be heaven. It may be an entirely different dimension than anything you've ever even thought about. Here Hezekiah is sick unto death, and Isaiah, the prophet, of the, prophet the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, this, Thus saith the Lord, now watch this, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. About two and a half months ago, I went up to see Ron Griffith. Uh, got there right after the doctor left. He wasn't weeping. Or uh, I asked what was going on. And the doctor said there was nothing they could do for him. Basically, it was just a matter of time. He's going to die. And uh, I, I think he jumped the gun a little bit. And we, we prayed. Uh, and evidently, God wasn't finished with him because he got better. Let me tell you something. You're not going anywhere unless God says it's your time. Everybody with me? Now there's people go over to his house. They go over there to pray and minister to him, and they end up getting ministered to. It's, it's absolutely amazing to watch. But this, this Isaiah prophet says, you're going to die and you're not going to live. Imagine, now you're, let's say you're a Christian and a, uh, a prophet, somebody you really admire comes and says, uh, you've been sick for about a week. Well, God wouldn't send me over here and tell you that this is it for you. You're, it's your time. You probably wouldn't like that, would you? You would? It ain't time for you to go, Melody, so forget it. Now, if you were... Uh, Melody's case, she's lost her husband. And some of you, if you were in a chronic sickness, I can understand you might say, well, you know, I, I'm ready to go right now. But most of you really, uh, you wouldn't buy that. Hezekiah didn't buy it. When he gets that message, he's beside himself. And verse 2 says, he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to God, to the Lord. He's on a bed and he just rolls over on his side looking at the wall in, in that room, and he's praying to God. He's praying. He's desperate. And he said, verse 3, Now, O Lord, I beg you, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Now, he assumes that there's something wrong with him. He assumes that God's angry with him. That's why in this next one or two uh, scriptures there, he, he reminds God, God, I've loved you, and I have a clean, pure heart, and I've tried to serve you. My, da my dad was uh, wrong, and he, he took all of our people to paganism, but not me. And I know there's still problems. So what he's doing is he's bargaining with God. Now the truth is, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, the truth is he's afraid to die. I could say, raise your hand if you're not afraid to die, and I'd get some hands. But there, there is a time in everyone's life when you fear leaving here and going there. And you know why? Because it hadn't happened to you yet, and you're, you're being forced to believe it by faith, right? And you just soon put it off as long as you can, just in case 
it might be wrong. Everybody look at me. It's not wrong. Jesus was here on the earth 2,000 years ago, and one of my favorite scriptures that he uh, wrote was, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. Now think about that. Listen to me carefully. When God stepped out on space, and I mean nothing, it was nothing. When I, when I say nothing, I mean nothing. God, Jesus, in a physical form, God, anytime you see God in a physical form, you're looking in the eyes of Jesus. That's the Trinity. And Jesus stepped out, he wasn't born yet, but he stepped out on space and he spoke. Everything he made, he spoke with the oral word out of his mouth. Spoke it, and it was. He spoke it, and it was. He spoke this planet Earth, and it was. He spoke the, the waters, the rivers, the lakes, the oceans, and it was. He spoke it all into existence. Now, Hezekiah doesn't understand. And he, down at the bottom of uh, verse 3, he sa it says Hezekiah, Hezekiah wept sorely. That means he's railing. I mean, he's getting with this crying thing. And then verse 4, Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and, and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, The God of David, thy father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add unto you the days fifteen years. Uh, everybody listen to me. Did you know that God can change his mind? In fact, sometimes God will allow you to go into a certain situation to see if you will change your mind or if, he'll, if you'll watch him change his mind. Listen to me. This God we have is your Father. He loves you. He, it is not his desire that you uh, uh, walk around in stark, raving terror knowing that you're going to die any day. That's not what God has for you. God has a plan for you. And Hezekiah turned to the wall and he got the mind of his God, and he got the ear of his God, and God changed his mind. Now, does that mean God was wrong? No, I think God planned the whole thing. Because you see, after Hezekiah had this experience, he became much more of a king to his people. He became much more of a godly man to lead his people where they needed to be and away from paganism and occultic practices. He became a man of God. Remember what I said? What's time, what's time to God? What's 15 years? That doesn't mean anything to God. God lives in a realm, a dimension of eternity, infinity. That means, most, a lot of people don't understand infinity. Infinity means there's no beginning and there's no end. Simple as that. And you see, time is measured by the distance between two points. A beginning and an ending. But in, with God, there is no beginning or ending. God is the beginning and the end. Oh, this God we serve is a great God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto me but by the... <clears throat> listen to me. No man comes unto the Father but by me. 
when he told people like Martha and Mary that, their heads were spinning around and around. What's he talking about? What can he possibly be talking about? Now, I want you to go uh, look down at uh, verse 6. And I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Uh, Behold, I will bring again the shadow. Now watch this. The shadow of the degrees which has gone down in the sundial of Ahaz 10 degrees backwards. So the sun returned 10 degrees by which degrees it was gone down. In other words, what God actually did was he stopped the rotation of the earth. You with me? That's another way we, mer- we measure time. Uh, you get up about 6 in the morning and you look off to the east, and what do you see? It start- starts getting br- brighter. And it's not because the sun is uh, revolving around you, although it is, but time in our day is 24 hours. And every 24 hours you look to the east and you see that golden glow. And, and there it is, sunrise. Right? And then... A few hours later in the afternoon, you turn right around 180 degrees, and there it goes in the west. Our planet is measuring that. Our planet is turning. In this miracle, and this is a miracle, he stopped the earth. Folks, that is a miracle. Now, I want you to go down to verse 16, chapter 38, verse 16. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is life is the life of my spirit, so wilt I thou recover me and make me to live. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but you have in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For you have cast my sins behind your back. For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. Are you getting this? They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee, and I do this day. The father to the children shall make known your faith. What he's saying is here, there's no glory in death. I, before I uh, started this morning, I got here early, and I was on YouTube, and I was doing some research on this message, and, and I found a guy, and there's another guy on there preaching soul sleep. Soul sleep is a doctrine that is so hideous, it's hard for me to even talk about it. It says that when you die, you stay in the ground with your body, asleep. How many of you find a lot of peace in that? I don't. Uh, Armstrong, you remember the Armstrong guy and his son, Garner Ted Armstrong out in California? They had the Radio Church of God. I mean, they were hot stuff back in the 60s and 50s. Big people from all over the world were listening. That was the crux of their church was soul sleep. Oh, aren't you excited when you die? You're going to be there, be down there in your coffin asleep until Jesus comes. Oh, glory. I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now. Thank God the Bible says to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Now, this is a strange thing. This same Jesus is the one who said, peace be still, to the storm. Sometimes sometimes it's a dichotomy. We don't seem to understand Jesus. Why does he do what he does? This is the same Jesus who is called the Prince of Peace. And now he declares, I came not to send peace, but a sword. The disciples couldn't understand him. 
waiting hundreds of years for him to get there to conquer the Romans and get them out of their country. And what does he do? He dies. It's not his mission to keep everything calm, normal, and relaxed. He came to bring a sword. You know, some of you need a, a sword. You know, if you take a big flat sword and you turn it up on edge, you got a pretty good paddle. And I think some of you need a good paddling. You don't need to have your head cut off. We got paddling in school, didn't we, Harvey? Oh, you never did? Oh, yeah. Well, Harley, he probably didn't get paddled as much as I did, but he did. Today, we have Muslims. Listen to this. They're the second largest religion on the earth, and they are quickly approaching Christianity. And if, if something doesn't happen, they are going to surpass us. Now, this is a religion today. If you go to Saudi Arabia today, and you commit one of their moral sins, they have the right to take you somewhere and remove your head from your body. They do that today. Uh, two or three years ago, one of these uh, terrorist groups had captured a bunch of Christians, and they took them down on a beach. There was about 24 of them. Each, each terrorist had an Islamic a guy standing behind him, and he had a big, sharp knife. They put him on the beach. They made them kneel down on the sand, and when the word was given, they cut their throats and cut their throats and kept doing that until their heads left their body, and they filmed the whole thing. Is that a, is that a religion that brings... Let me ask, why is that religion drawing people? Okay, fear, I'll buy that. And you know what the other side of it is? If you and I will preach the real gospel, and if we will preach it with boldness, and, and we make people understand that our God would never cut your head off. Our God loves you. You are his son or his daughter. We take that fear factor out of it, and we start telling people how much God deliriously loves them. And I, you know, I was before we started today, God gave me this. I'm just going to give it to you. He said, he said, tell your people that I am challenging them in the next seven days, now till next Sunday, I would like them to pray every day for me to bring somebody across their path that they can witness to, that they will know is they're not saved. How many of you will take that challenge? I'm expecting some real reports back here next Sunday. You know, we, we, get, we get all discouraged because it seems like God's not doing anything, but my question to you is, what, what are you doing? What are we doing? Look at Matthew 10, verse 34. Matthew 10, verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against the, uh, her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loves father or, more, or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life shall find it. 
you know why the gospel of Jesus separates fathers from sons and fathers from daughters? How many of you have experienced that in your own family? There's somebody in your family, it seems like everybody's gotten saved, but somebody, there's one or two in your family, and they're, they're turning against you. They're turning against God. You've, you've tried your best. You've talked about love and peace and healing. And How many of you got somebody in your family that's, see that? What's the answer? First of all, look at me. Don't give up. I told you this story. My, my brother, they're living in Kentucky now. He, and please be praying for him. He's got uh, some dementia. I should say quite a bit. It's fairly harmless. But back years ago, uh, when he got out of the Navy, they, he and Marilyn moved here. They, they rented a house down here, not far from here. And we, they would invite us. We'd go over, Liz and I would go over there for supper. And, and you know, I always brought up Jesus. Well, he just got fed up with it, I guess, one night, and he just yelled and screamed and threw me out of his house. He said, get out of my house, and don't you ever, if you come back here, you, you don't mention that name. I don't want to hear it. I said, okay, I'll make you a deal. I won't say a thing, but if you bring it up, then I will consider that's an opening for me to, bring, to keep talking about it. He said, good, you can do that all you want, because I'm not going to bring it up. And what happened to me every time we went over there, every stinking time, he brought it up. I reminded him a couple of times. Oh, well, yeah, I forgot. All right, we're back on the, on the same plan. No more Jesus in this house. Go back over there next week. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Finally, one day he gave up, knelt down, and gave his heart to the Lord. And today I'm his pastor. But that's a blessing. But I have, I have somebody I need you to pray for. His name is Wesley. My son is named after him. Wesley Willis, when I was five and Wesley was four, we moved down on the old Cavern Highway just off of, uh, I mean, Elgin Road. Uh, how many of you know where that is? Elgin Road and Old Cavern Highway. We, anyway, that's when we first met, and we became best friends, and we were best friends all through high school. Pretty much lost contact with that. But I remember, this really grieved my heart, uh, about five or six years ago, he came through visiting, and we were down at uh, on Pierce Street. And uh, he came in my office, and the subject came up, and you know, just nonchalantly, he I couldn't believe it. He looked at me and said, oh, there's no God. There's no God at all. I said, how can you say that? Well, I'll just tell you, there's no God. Now, he was raised in the same situation I was raised in. He didn't go to church. His dad was an alcoholic, so was his mother. By the way, his mother, about five years before she died, showed up at my church. And she got saved, his mother. And he doesn't know this yet. About two days before she died, I went up to the hospital to see her. And, I, and she was dying, and she was right there. And I, I said, uh, Winnie, that was her name, Winnie. I said, Winnie, are you, are you afraid? She said, afraid? I can't wait to get there. That's what she said. Now, this was a woman that was beaten. I'm, I'm saying things I probably shouldn't say. She was mistreated in her marriage. Let's put it that way. Wounded and hurt. Showed up at our church out of curiosity. 
And you know something? God just smoothed the Holy Spirit all over her. And she gave her life to Jesus. Today, as I speak to you, she's in heaven. I wish I could say that about his, his dad. He might be, and I'll tell you that story right now, too. Yeah. Can I say something? Oh. He, uh, his, he, uh, his name was Jay. I think he is in heaven. I'll tell you why. He, he was a smoker and drinker. But toward the end of his life, his lungs were, you can imagine, he smoked for like 60 years. Well, he was in the final stages of, of dying. This is Wesley's dad. And they, they didn't have a good relationship. But every day that I would go up to the hospital, there would be a pile of people in there. And I couldn't talk to him if I wanted to. And I, I went home one day and I said, Lord, if you want me to, to witness to him, you're going to have to help me out. I need you to dump that room out. So the very next day, I showed up at noon. Didn't plan it. I just showed up and walked up there. All of the family had gone down to the hospital cafeteria to eat together. And he was in his room alone. There was not even a nurse in there. And I was shaking. This man wasn't very nice to me either. He couldn't lay down because his lungs were filled with fluid. Every time he got to a certain point, that's the way he slept. You know that food cart they bring over there and he, he put his arm on it and lay his head on it. They'd jack it up as high as he'd go and he put his head on it. I mean, it was horrible. And I just took a breath. I said, Lord, it's now or never. I went over there and I sat down beside him on the bed. He, he lifted up his head and looked at me. I thought, well, here it comes. I was like, he's going to throw me out of his room. I said, Jay, you're dying. Yeah, I know. This ain't fun either. I said, well, do you know there's a God and he loves you? And I said, it's not too late to receive Jesus in your heart. Ask him to forgive you. And when you die, you'll know where you're going to go. Would you like me to pray for you? I sure would. <laughs> he actually said that. I thought he'd get a dish and, hang, and bang me upside the head. So there on his bed, his deathbed, it was a sickness unto death, just like Hezekiah. I took his hand. This guy was the meanest guy in Carlsbad. I mean mean. And I led him in the sinner's prayer, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. I know I'm a sinner because your word says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so I must be a sinner. But I also know that you've made a way for me to come to you, and it's through Jesus and his blood. So right now, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be my personal Savior. And with your help, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I said, Jay, did you, did you mean that? I sure did. That was at noon. He died 7 o'clock that night. Time may not mean much to God, but it's, a, it's something that we got to watch. You got people that don't have much time left. And if you're feeling drawn to go and pray for somebody, particularly somebody that's very ill, may I encourage you to do that? Say, well, they might yell at me. Yeah, I've been yelled at. I had some people. There was a principal at the Loving. loving uh, he was dying. 
some teachers there called me because they knew I was a Christian asked me if I'd go pray with him. Well, I didn't know his family, and they weren't happy to see me. And I walked in, and it was like they knew who I was, and I sat down, and I was going to read a scripture for him, and I forgot my Bible. I said, oh, ma'am, do you have a Bible? It was his sister. She screamed at me right in front of everybody. I know who you are. We don't need your God. That's what she said. And you can just get out. I've never seen this woman in my life. You know, when I got there, they were asking around the room for people who would be pallbearers, and he wasn't even dead yet. Don't give up. Don't stop. Hezekiah didn't stop. He got 15 more years. And who knows what were accomplished in those years. Who knows how many people came to God eventually through the centuries that went by all the way down to you. Who knows? Who knows? Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes for a minute. Thank you, Lord. Just just take a nice deep breath and blow out. Jesus. I'm I'm waiting because I'm waiting on God to tell me what to do. A few months ago when I was in my office praying, the Lord said, there's going to be a lot more prayer in your services, personal prayer, one-on-one. Let me turn the lights out for me, John. If you're here this morning and you have a need, I'm inviting you to come up here. And I need some men to come up and stand behind these that are coming. If you've got a relative that doesn't know the Lord, they're lost, come up here, please. And just right across here. God forgives us of our sins. And we thank him for that. There are many that have scars in their life. he told me this morning was for you to come forth if you've got a scar and be prayed for today. If you've got a scar, you better come up here. Now, scars, scars come in different cloaks. Some of you ladies have been sexually assaulted or sexually wounded by someone when you were a little girl. You need to come up here. And some of you guys may have been the one that was doing the assaulting. And we're not going to name you. Nobody's going to know. But you need to come up here and get that right with God. Jesus. 
The Lord says, do not let it be said that I have changed. I have not. I am the same God who created the universe. I'm the same Father who has healed down through the centuries and loved. I'm the same God who has put all things into order. And I'm here today because I love you. Now, those on this front row, if you're, if you're hurt, don't care what it is, just raise your hand and say, I'm, that's me, I'm one of those, I'm hurt. Don't be honest. Put them up there. The Lord says, nothing is so big that it can take you away from me. No one will ever take you away from me. I am your God. I am your Father. You belong to me. We are connected at the hip. You and I will walk down through the halls of eternity together. You and I will worship together. You and I. Just let that go. Take a deep breath. Blow out. Thank you, Jesus. And all of your life you thought, well, if this is as good as it gets, who needs it? Yep, right? Now, I want you to take a breath. When you breathe in, you're going to let the healing power of God just, yeah, just do that one more time. Thank you, Jesus. That wound has to go right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, that's all right. That's the Lord. He's not going to hurt you. Who else had your hand up? Isabel, your, some of your wounds have been directly related to your heart condition. And we're just going to just come against those wounds, asking God to heal you from top to bottom, from side to side and up and down. Lord, just touch her. Whoop, deep, hurtful wound. God says, I'm your father. I'm here to heal you today. Take a breath. Just let that out. Don't hold it in there. Just let it, yeah, let it out. Man, we got a lot of people weeping up here, and that's good. Let me ask you a question. Did you get wounded before I was your teacher or after? Lord Jesus. This, hey, listen, this lady right here was called before the foundation of the world to be a lover of, of God. She was called to be in this church. She was called to be here to help Liz and I, and she does. I believe with all my heart that God wants to touch her. If you believe that, say amen. amen. In Jesus' name. Our oldest daughter, she is rebelling against God's policy will and taking all her children with her. Katie. I'm going to pray for Katie a minute, and I want to talk about you. You've been assaulted, wounded, hurt in your life over and over and over again. Is it gone? It's all gone. It doesn't affect you anymore at all. It takes care of those fiery bolts of memory that try to bring things back to heart. Katie is your daughter? 
Lift your hands this way. I lift up Katie. Lord, the devil cannot have her. Satan, you are bound, and we cast you out right now wherever Katie is. I'm asking you to go to her right now, Lord, and wrap her in your arms. Let her feel your presence. Let her know that you are there right now. Satan, you are bound and cast out. Every assignment of every demon is canceled. Lord, I ask that your precious Holy Spirit will go and touch her and fulfill her dream. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, well, she's going to come back. Who else had their hand up for a hurt? Lord, I pray for Eric. He's such a blessing. Put your hands this way. Here's a man who, from the minute we started this church, he was in the door. He's never left. He has been the most faithful man I've ever seen. He's always here. And listen to me. He never gripes about anything. He never talks bad about anybody. He's always got something good to say. And he's a blessing to my heart. And I pray for his mother right now. Is she sick? She's sick. Father, in Jesus' name, we send the power of your healing to her right now. And she's in the Philippines. What's, what's wrong? She's got pneumonia. Father, just heal those lungs, both of them, Father, in Jesus' name. Set her free. And Debbie, we just pray that you'll get what you need once and for all. Get it over with God. Uh, cause it to happen. We bind you, Satan. Get, a, get away from this couple. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you need this. Uh, we pray for Susan right now, Father. You know what it's going to take, Lord, to bring her to you. And I lift up Charles. The Lord says, Charles, be gracious to your mother. Be kind to your mother. Be patient with your mother. And watch me work, says the Lord. You watch and see. Who didn't get prayed for? Yes. A family that is just in collision. There are so many hurts with our children and their, their loved ones, our grandchildren. It's just like the devil has so much control over the situation and we have no way out. Your family or somebody else? My family. Your family. My kids. You all heard that. Uh, she's a nurse practitioner. She's a good one. And she has a great amount of love in her heart for, for uh, the lost. And you heard her declaration. Father, I, I just claim every one of her family members. Command, Lord, I ask you to bring them out of the pits of hell. And I ask you, Lord, to deliver them into salvation. Father, deliver them from drugs, deliver them from alcohol, deliver them from hurts and wounds, and set them free. And Almighty oh, God, thank you. I pray for you, Iris, and Don, in Jesus' name. God will continue. Don, I speak healing to your, to your heart, your liver, your lungs. Everybody say lungs. Be healed. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I know it's your not wearing your wristband. <laughs>
by who? Lord, right now, I just place my hand on Mary's wrist. Father, it just causes her a lot of pain. Lord, as we rub that, I'm just asking the Spirit of God will anoint it. The word anoint means to rub on. And I am rubbing on her healing. I'm rubbing on her the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you, Lord. Linda, he has a sister that's lost. Lord, we lift up Linda. I'm asking you, Lord, to set her free and save her. Is she older than you? She's older than him. Father, we just we come to you and we ask you, Lord, to do this quickly. We don't know how much time's left. Father, I just lift up Linda to you. Save her, Father. In Jesus' name. Has anybody that didn't get prayer? Now, Uh, you can sit down just for a moment. I'm gonna. I just want to. Uh, Cindy, you have something to say today? You sure? Uh, I'd like a couple of testimonies. Anybody have a testimony? Something God's done for you, special? You can turn the lights on, John. Anybody? Well, fooey. <laughs> yeah, you ask it, Craig. Uh, uh, how you doing? Well, if I was be, be any, if I was any better, I'd be twins. Put the other hand up. You want to come? Um. So I have scars. I have very, very, very deep scars from my childhood. And I have coped with them for 19 years by myself, and it didn't work. It didn't work at all. And I gave it to God. I gave it to God, and I don't feel that anguish in my heart anymore. I don't feel shame. I don't feel guilt. I don't feel any of it. I've, I was set free. Pastor John prayed for me. Bertha came out to my house, and she gave me so many, so many things that you have no idea how, how much. It pertained to what I needed and what I what I needed so badly again. And I I mean I feel like a new person again. It's like a whole new renewal again. Because I have I had taken a really big step off the path. And and now I, I'm able to face my scars and move past them and look forward to the future and be happy and joyful in God. And be a godly woman. See, a lot of you, a lot of you that have been wounded, the devil comes and says, I'm going to kill you just like I took Hezekiah's life. I'm going to take your life. Well, let me tell you something. The victory here is not that so many people were hurt or wounded or they sinned or they did something they shouldn't. The victory is they came to the Lord and he healed them. Men, did you have, did you have something or? devil's been trying to really hit my health pretty hard for about a year and uh, I was having episodes they felt were seizures but basically I could just be doing something and drop over unconscious 
uh, for some time. And sometimes we've had injuries with it and et cetera. So for months I've been going through a variety of testing and I have an old aneurysm, you know, different things come up. I've spent uh, a lot of time in Dallas, including in a uh, epilepsy monitoring unit. And they're still working out things and we're, we're getting it down pat. But in one of the things, I had had just really drastic changes in my eyesight. Well, I've seen double for a long time. And the double had got from the aneurysm, had gotten to where it was really spaced quite a ways apart. Well, in this process, they wanted the neurologist, neuro-ophthalmologist. I have dozens of neurologists. I all have a different specialty. But uh, because I'd lost so much vision, uh, besides, I was to see him as just part of the little checkoff list. And he said it had changed so drastically that he really felt changing prescription and everything else might make that silly aneurysm click into thinking there had been a truly drastic change and it might could even take care of the double vision. I have new glasses. And at first, I would see a little bit of double, but I would find for the first time I could bring it back together. Okay? Now then, even with my glasses off, Ava, there's just one of you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't tell you what a blessing it is that you can have something for a long time and you just get used to it because you assume that's the way it's going to be. And out of the clear blue, he'll do something this simple. And believe me, my eyes are checked all the time. But it was just such a quick change, so fast, bad, and a quick change, so fast, back, good, that it took care of that old issue, too. So, uh, Dave, yeah. David, you want to share something with us about your son? You come and share with us about your son. Uh, their son fell off a railroad car. Just tell us real quick what happened and how he's doing, would you? Yeah, he's work, working at the loading dock. And they go up to release the brake. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he slipped off and fell on his back and broke uh, 15 ribs, 10 on one side, 5 on the other cracked a couple of vertebrae, and then a laceration in his lung. But so far, he's, he's healing up pretty good. Yes, we brought him back Monday. About 11 days. Yeah, but he's, he's doing okay. He's walking, and he's not eating as much because of his medication. Kind of upsets the stomach. But he's coming along. If you, if you got word about their son and you prayed, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you. We love, we love him. You tell him that. <laughs> I sure will. Uh, one of the nurses there was uh, telling him, you're going to have uh, six months to recovery. And David says, no. And I told her the same thing. She says, why? I said, we've got over 1,000 people playing for. And she says, only? I said, the ones that I know of. And she said, well, I'm one of them. I said, well, great. Amen. And, uh, yeah, come ahead. And then, Cindy, you come after her. Come and by the way, you tell your son, the Lord, uh, the Lord gave me a word for him about two days after this happened. 
uh, he's coming to the Lord like he's supposed to, and there's, there's going to be a great thing happen in his life. It's what you've prayed for. A lot of things to praise God about. Um, a lot of things to praise God about. Most recently, um, just really delivered from uh, uh, anger and hopelessness. And uh, this is why I don't like to come up here because I don't want to cry. <laughs> anyway, it's so much deeper and bigger than I can even tell you, but I'm learning to just really rely on God, and he's showing me that I can rely on him for even little things, you know, waking up and saying, God, that closet, <laughs> I can't go in that closet, you know, a literal closet, and just asking him to help me to go through that and, and finding that it only takes, you know, 30 minutes to do what I've put off for months, you know. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I, you know, I, my circumstances haven't, well, they have changed off and on like that, you know, life. Um, but I know in my heart that God has, he has my, my kids, my kids are all grown, but uh, it's still been a real heartache for me for a while because I, like I said, I, you know, so many times I, I did put a lot into my kids and tried to teach them the word and, and, uh, you know, you just can't control things, you guys. <laughs> anyway. You know, somebody said something recently about how, I can't remember what exactly what they said, but it was something about how God is moving, but it's not just you that he has to move on to, to reconcile things. You know, he has to move on that person and that person and that person and this thing and, and draw near to, to each person in those situations. And... I don't know. I, I just found out, you know, about, I don't know, a few months back that there were things going on in my house that I didn't know about. And they're big, you know. And as much as my heart was to want to see everything to be for my family and my family to be God, you know, they still Satan got in there, and uh, so the things are bigger than, than than me and us. But God, God will restore, and God will bring those things that I taught my children when they were young. He'll bring those those things to fruition, and he'll water that word and he'll send people to those people that you know to my family and and I, I just you know I'm thankful for people in his church because he sends people to just give me a little encouragement you know just and it's in here it's him just 
reaching out to me, touching me. So if if you feel like you need to go and tell somebody something or or just encourage them in some way, <coughs> even if you don't know them, just do it because you can change their life, you know, in a minute. Cause I know that cause several have done that for me. So um, my dad is remarried and he has a really good wife and anyway they've been married for about six years and he uh, and my dad's been saved you know and he's in his he's 80 now but I, n I never really thought that he would be saved <laughs> and he has been and he goes to church and anyway his new wife they've had a good life together the last several years and she um, was having some problems in October with her voice and thought, thinking that it was allergies, thinking that it was, uh, you know, some kind of virus. They kept going to the doctor. They weren't finding anything. No, none of the medication was working. So she went and had some tests in Roswell, and they, um, the doctor led her to believe that she probably had cancer. And the man, oh, Nick Hager, that was her son, he said was that, you know, what, I don't know, he, he was talking to Isabel, I think, about what the doctor had told her. And then he said, thank you, sir, but now I know how to pray, you know. And so people have been praying for my, my dad's wife. Her name is Donna. And um, she was supposed to go for, they were going to start doing treatments. They weren't really sure what, but they were going to do treatments in Lubbock. And anyway, they had a turnaround. She went to Albuquerque. They did some more tests. They did some biopsies. This is just like two weeks ago. And they were talking about how they would call her and, and arrange for treatments. And, and anyway, my dad was supposed to get news. Well, he hadn't called me, so I called him. And he said, I said, anybody because I was so thankful because they called and said there's no sign of cancer. None. None. And, you know, I had a chance to spend time with my dad and, and pray with my dad, which I never had enough courage or boldness to do, and my dad was so happy that I prayed with him. He just, you know, it was just, and it, I thought, well, why, what was that such a big deal about, you know? Anyway, so she, yeah, so she's free of cancer, and the doctors still called and said, well, we need to have you come up here, and we need to do some more stuff, because we just want to make sure, so, anyway, on and on. Give her a hand. <clears throat> yeah, let's pray for her real quick. Father, we lift her up, and her uh, husband, and lift up Donna and her dad. Lord, bless them. We, we praise you, Lord, for these miracles. Lord, all this time, you've been working all this time in the background. Sometimes we, we have to stop and just listen to the testimony so we'll know that you're out there. You are. Father, thank you for this wonderful testimony today. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. You know, when, when John offered to have people come up here and to be prayed for, 
something kind of started to stir, and then when he continued to have people to come up. And, and the thing that I want to share with you is that the word says that God gives us the desires of our heart. Now, that's either true or it's not, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what I want to tell you is that word can be a word of encouragement for you, or that word can be a word of correction for you. Because you need to look and see what's truly in your heart. Some of you have anger. Some of you have resentment. Some of you have bitterness. Some of you have unforgiveness. Some of you have all that garbage, okay? And the desire of your heart is to just stay right where you are. And because it feels good to be angry. It feels good to get your pound of flesh, okay? So some of you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Some of you have circumstances or situations that are going on and you get attention and you get sympathy and you get pity and you get all sorts of stuff like that and that's what you like. And so the desire of your heart is to maybe feel a little bit better, but to kind of stay where you are because this feels good. And you have to understand, God's not going to override any of that. He gives you the desire of your heart. And so you need to decide what the desire of your heart is. Is the desire of your heart to be a godly woman who doesn't turn to the left or to the right, but chooses to focus on Jesus Christ and to do his will day in and day out, even though that means it will be uncomfortable and painful and crucifying your flesh on more than a daily basis? Are you going to choose to be a man of God who leads his household in the ways of God? Are you going to choose to love and to cherish and to honor your wife the way that Christ loved the church? And guess what? That's going to require you to die to your flesh more than once a day. But if that's the desire of your heart, then that's what God will give you. Because that's who he is. And if you desire to be healed, then guess what? You're already healed. It's already happened. And I believe firmly that's what happened to Hezekiah. He didn't have a son yet. He didn't have an heir to his throne. And he knew his dad was a jerk. He knew he hadn't accomplished what God had sent him to do. And if there was a vacancy, he didn't know what was going to fill it. So he's like, hey, I got to have some more time. And you know what? God gave him the desire of his heart. So some of you, some of you don't have any desires at all. You've just become apathetic and complacent and, and, and you've lost hope. And the word says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So I just want to encourage you right now. You know what? The only thing you maybe need to ask for is, God, give me the desire to have a desire. That's what he does. 
You know, I can't love God the way that God wants me to love him. So you know what I do in the morning? I get up and I say, God, help me love you the way I need to love you because it is not in me. And some days I don't pray that enough. So I just want you to, I want you to look at your heart. You know, we say we want revival. Well, if that's truly the desire of our heart, then why aren't we having revival? Revival's going to mean change, and change nobody likes. It's going to require sacrifice. So what do you want? Just, he's good, and he's faithful. And if you're lacking, it's not his fault. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Take somebody's hand. There's a song we sing called Bind Us Together. And I know whatever God wants to do in, in our church, it can only happen if we are bound together. That means if you're a person who's been critical of me or Liz or somebody else on staff, stop it. Pray for me. Pray for her. You know, yeah, I, I make mistakes. I do. So we got that cleared up. So let's just pray. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with love. There's only one God. There is only one God, one King. There is only one King body. There is only one body. That is why we can sing. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with love. As you go out the door, we got, we're early, so go hug somebody and minister to them. Tell them you love them. Amen? You're, you're dismissed.
This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.